Welcome home, friends. This is Pastor David, and you are listening to the Community Life Podcast. We pray this message is an encouragement to help build your faith and focus your life toward Jesus in His way. We also hope that this podcast is an open door of invitation for you to come and see what God is up to here at Community Life. So plan a visit. We'd love to meet you in person. Lastly, if this is your church home or you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so by visiting madeforcommunity.com forward slash give. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome home, everybody. So good to see you. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this as quick as I can, okay? It's already a little bit later than I expected, but we've got some amazing cupcakes for after service. We've got some great refreshments, so just hold on, all right? It's going to be okay, and all the kids are here, so we're good. Um, as we wrap up our February series on love today, all you need is love, love. We're going to be talking about, exactly, we're going to be talking about um, how God wants his love uh, for us to bring focus to every area of our lives, specifically today talking about families. Fitting, right? And I'd like to open today with the scripture from Ephesians 1 and chapter 2. Um, we'll be spending most of our time in Ephesians, so if you have your Bibles, you can move there now. Get your Bible ribbons ready. Ephesians 1, 2, and 4. Also, if you're taking notes, I'd like to call this message, Family is Forever. Family is Forever. Now, if you would... Follow me quickly to Ephesians. It'll be on the screen. It says this. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to, what does that say? Adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Here's Ephesians 2. So now you, Gentiles, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of what? God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles, who are non-Jews, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Ephesians 1 and 2. Hallelujah, Sister Fran. Come on now. <laughs> Just picture we're all in a living room together, okay? This is what we're happening right now. <clears throat> so as I said a moment ago, to, uh, we're finishing up this series on love. We'll be talking about what it looks like to love our family, to love our families like God loves us. In the first century, the Greeks called this love for family, Manny, correct me, is it storge or storge? Storge. Can everyone say that together? Storge. It's kind of fun, right? Storge. And we've got it up on the screen. Pastor Manny put together this kind of synopsis of what this word means. Um, it's, it's the close affectionateness. I think that's, is that in there, Tyler? Yeah? Oh, perfect. Thank you. It's the close, this is the love for family by the Greeks. The close affectionateness or familial love that is rooted in devotion and duty toward family members. Parents, children, pets, and even close friends. 
Storge is a love based on familiarity and natural duty, regardless of commonalities or enjoyable qualities in the other. This quality of love offers comfortable affection and fidelity as a natural instinct. Storge love plays out instinctually in us as comfortable affection, loyalty, natural duty and fidelity, regardless of commonalities, regardless of circumstances. This is love for family. And I wanted to end the series today talking about family because out of all the different descriptions God could have given his people, whether it was a team or a crew or, I don't know, like a collection or even a religion, out of all the things God could have used to describe us, it, it, it was a family. God calls us family, and that's because in the end, when friendships fail and romance wanes, as we know it can, family, whether you like it or not, family remains. Family is forever. It doesn't matter if you get along. You're still family, right? It doesn't matter if you see eye to eye on every issue. You are still family. It doesn't matter if you like the same food, have the same values, the same dreams. Family remains. Families forever, from here to heaven, regardless of distance, regardless of circumstance or disconnects, independent of what the courts might say even, or how you feel. God wants you to know that family is forever. It goes beyond a commitment, a moment, or even a decision, because when you're family, it's just who you are. It's just who you are. You're not in because of it. You are because of it. But okay, you might be thinking, Pastor, that sounds cool. Family's great. I'll bite, but what does that mean? What does that look like? I get that I'm supposed to love family like God loves people, but what is, it, what is family anyway? I know that can be a little nebulous for some of us. What defines family? Is it blood? Is it birthright? Is it a kinship? Is it, is it like we just heard in Storge, is it, is it loyalty, fidelity, and natural duty regardless of what might be common? Well, in the scriptures, we actually see a description for family. And we see a few different descriptions, a number. The first being kind of obvious, it's the immediate family. The immediate family. Where two people become one and then they decide to multiply and they have kids and they become a family and it grows and more and more and it eventually becomes extended as kids have kids which have kids. Immediate to extended, you're born into it, you contribute to it. Still, it's who you are. And, and God in the scriptures, he, he has a family like this. In the Old Testament, the first family, the line of Abraham, where God identified a dad, right? He identified a dad, called him Abraham, and he decided to make Ab Abraham's kids the deepest root of his family tree on earth. The deepest root, that they would be his people. Pretty cool. And this family grew when Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob and Jacob is renamed Israel. Guys, bold and courageous right now, okay? Jacob is renamed Israel. And Israel then has 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of the people, the family of Israel, born to reflect their father in heaven out into the world. This was God's family on earth. Amazing. And it expands and it grows and they make some mistakes and they have some success. But through it all, through it all, it was defined by blood. 
And there were some times, yes, that like other people joined the family, like outside of the Exodus when they were leaving Egypt and people were so impressed with the father and the way that God rescued them that they joined the family. But, but even then, the family of God was determined by a birthright. Everything ran through the family of Abraham. And this is really important for us to understand. It's really important that God's immediate family was not equal opportunity. It was not something everyone had a right to be a part of. Yes, God loved the whole world, but he still chose to call a people home. It was exclusive on purpose. Everything went through Abraham and this was God's decision. Why? Why? It's because God wanted to create a focused people in the midst of a broken world. God wanted to create a focused people made to carry his image, his glory, his goodness, and his power out into the world so that the world might know the Father and the Father's love through the way the kids loved one another. This is the way that Israel was made. But then we see a shift in the story when old meets new and Jesus arrives. When God, the Father in heaven, sends Jesus the Son, his one and only Son, because Israel couldn't live up to God's expectations. Israel couldn't live up to the family values the father had laid out. And even though they were chosen, even though they were loved and so loved as children, they proved incapable of being faithful reflection of their father. There would be waves of obedience and then failure, and then obedience and failure. And so in comes Jesus through the line of Israel, through the family of Israel to bring correction and form a brand new forever family of God. And he did it by being the very best of Israel. He, he did it by being the very best, a perfect person once and for all, so the whole world might see clearly who God really is and how God really loves. And this was the plan all along. This was the plan. God chose Israel, then sent Jesus through Israel to be what, what, what it, God chose Israel, then sent Jesus through Israel to be what Israel never would and do what Israel never could. To live a perfect life of holiness and righteousness on God's behalf, fulfilling all the family values of the good father in heaven. And in so doing, finalizing with his perfect sacrifice on the cross, in so doing, Jesus opened the door to God's house for all who believe. The door is always open. And the table always sat. And this is the change to family dynamics we see in the scriptures. Now God's people, God's house is no longer limited to 12 tribes. It's no longer limited to those born into Israel, filled with the blood of Abraham. Now God's family is defined by anyone covered with the blood of Christ. For anyone adopted by grace through faith, the scripture says, you have been born again. If you're with Jesus, you have been born again. You're a brand new person. And family is just who you are now. It's not what you do. It's not what you pursue. It's just who you are. And this is what we heard in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. I'm going to read it again real quick. All praise to God, the, Lord, uh, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before God made the world, God loved us and chose us to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. 
So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house. We are his house. And I hope you're catching this, that where God's family was once biological because of Jesus, now it's theological. I'm gonna say that one more time and I better get some amens from the crowd over here. <laughs> where once God's family that he identified was biological, it was blood, now it's theological for all who believe. Amen, amen. I love this. It's defined by God's work. And it was all for love, love for his family forever. John chapter three, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life forever family. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him because of God's immense great love for the world. God decided to take his family into his own hands. He chose us. He brought us in even when we did nothing to deserve it. When we did nothing to earn it, there was nothing that we could do to win our way into God's family. But instead, he adopted us. He welcomed us with open arms. And there's something really interesting about this adoption language. In the first century, biological children were important. But if you adopted someone, that was even the next level. Because adopted people was a choice. It wasn't what you received biologically. Adoption was the decision a parent would make to welcome you into their family with full rights. And so now we are no longer wandering strangers or foreigners or orphans wasting away trying to figure out what's next. No, God says that we are called sons and daughters. Sons and daughters of the family forever where the door is always open and the table is always set. And he did it all for love. He wrote the story and then he stepped into the page, right? He did the work, he paid the price, he built the house, all we gotta do is live in it. And then we're home. We're family forever and scripture says once you're in, once you're in, there is nothing that you or I or anyone, the powers of hell, nothing can, nothing can interrupt you and stop you from being within this family. There is no membership fee or subscription to manage based on your ability to be good. When you're in, you're in. When you're in, you're in. Amen, hallelujah. And this is the good news of God's agape love that he has given us. This is the good news of God's agape love reflecting into his storge love for family. The price is paid, forgiveness is given, adoption complete. Now, now all God asks of us in return for this immense gift of grace and love and mercy. All that God wants in return is that if you are family, he just asks that you would act like it. If you're going to be family with God, then you got to live by his house rules. Rules that don't earn your place in the house, rules that don't pay the rent, but rather rules that reveal to the world the house that you call home. And this is it, bringing it all the way back around to love, love for family. God wants for his family, God wants the love he has for us to become the, the standard for us. The love that he has for his family, God wants that to be the standard for his family. 
that this would become our new normal, that there would be no compartments for your forever family or for your immediate extended family, that you wouldn't wait for heaven to love like him, but instead that you would allow the love he has for you to become the love that you have for yours. And this is it. If you're a Christian, God wants the way he welcomed you. God wants the way he cares for you and the way he unconditionally accepts and believes in you as family to become the way that you welcome, you care, you accept and believe in those you call family. Whether you, whether you agree on everything, whether they deserve it or not, because God knows we didn't deserve anything, right? And this is what we see God's heart for family. But, okay, what does this look like practically? For us to see that family is forever, how can we live in response to the love that God has for us and that we might love our families like God loves ours? So, quickly, back to Ephesians. There's four things as we move on from Eph into Ephesians 4 that Paul says with a lead-in. It'll be on the screen in just a second. It says, you've been saved this is Ephesians 1 and 2. You've been saved, you've been welcomed, you've been cared for, you've been called family by God. Therefore, chapter 4, verse 1, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called family by God. Now, what does it look like for you to love, uh, to live a life of love worthy of your calling, of your family name? This is it, starting in verse 2, if you're taking notes. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, there's one church family, right? One spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. So four quick things. I'm gonna make it real fast before we're out of time. If you want to love your family like God loves his, you need to be humble, gentle, patient, and united. Humble, gentle, patient, united, starting with humble. God's house is a humble house. His family is rooted in humility. You cannot reveal the love of God without stepping into humility because God is humble. Now, what does it mean to be humble? You've probably heard it said that humility isn't thinking less about yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. It's not so much the quality, it's the quantity of your thinking. It's laying yourself down for the good of another, your life down for the good of another, and it's putting yourself second so someone else might come first. Now, it's important for you to remember that humility uh, is not living a lie. We're not talking about false humility where you just throw yourself under the bus or you take a beating for something that isn't a reason. Like, humility is simply choosing to see your position in the family as a servant, not a master. Humility is seeing yourself as a servant, not a master. That you are family to love them. That you are family to support them. That you are family to make a way not to get your way. This is what Paul is getting at when he says, always be humble. Living within reality, of course. 
but still using your days to empower and bring the best out of those around you. That's first. We must always be humble, which connects well to number two. We must always be gentle. Gentleness is knowing who you are, really, knowing who you are and choosing to focus your humility toward your family with kindness and tenderness. It's meeting people where they are to lead them where they could be. And this is what Jesus is getting at in Matthew 11 when he said, come to me, let, take my yoke upon you, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. Gentleness is a way of engagement that doesn't demand an outcome. Gentleness isn't harsh or aggressive. Instead, it chooses to play the long game of invitation into a better way, which connects us to number three. Number three, love for family must be patient. Patient. And you know, as I was reading through these points, I was like, man, this sounds an awful lot like the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Love for family must be patient. Paul says in verse three, I think it is, uh, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Now, how many of you today would naturally describe yourself or the love you have for family? Would, it, would the first description be patient? Thank you, sister. I was thinking about this, this idea of patience and just thinking of what a typical day, school day in our house is like, um, <laughs> where we have to leave at 7.45 a.m. And it doesn't matter how early we wake up, we're always down to the last minute. And when I'm waiting there at the door for my boy, who I love deeply, <laughs> to put on his socks, to put on his shoes, to brush his teeth, good Lord, friends, pray for me every day at 7.45. <laughs> Good Lord, I love this boy. <laughs> Patience in our world today can be hard because it always feels like we have somewhere to be. It always feels like we have somewhere to go and something to do, but true love as defined by God for family is not rushed. It is not hurried. It is patient. It's patient. God plays the long game with us because of his love. So we might play the long game with others because of our love. And we can, we can love. We can do this. We can do this when we pause to remember that family is forever. In the light of eternity, we can do this when we remember that we'll be together tomorrow. So we might as well choose to live together today. Amen. Which brings us up to number four, last point that God's expectation for family is that we would be united together. That we would be united together. You have been called family, so verse three, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Why? Verse four, for there is one body, it's one church family, and one spirit, just like you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. Family must be united in the spirit, bound together with peace and love. This must be our intention, this side of eternity. That we would be humble, 
and gentle as we take on the way, the yoke of Jesus, humble and gentle, patient and united as we walk this road following him, knowing that whatever comes, family remains. Family is, family is forever. So as we close today, this epic day of family, it's so cool to see our kids running around making noise. It's so cool to see everyone together as you look across and see each other in church, that we're not just hiding up here where there's a stage in the seats, but rather we're all together in this together. As we wrap up this conversation about love that we've been in for the past four weeks, I just want you to take a minute to pause to consider the family that you call home. Who's there? Probably your kids, your in-laws, you got extended family, you got brothers and sisters, you got stepkids, you got a church family, you got a lot. When we think about the family we call home, I know in our house we got, we got the biological family, we got the theological family, we got the extended family, then we got a whole lot of adopted siblings. We got Brian and Bob and Rahul and Shalu and Uncle Rome over here in the front. It's so cool, Rome was over on, what was it, on Thursday? And as soon as he pulls up, he came over for dinner, as soon as he pulls up, my kids run out, Uncle Rome, Uncle Rome. We all got family. Our family extends beyond blood, but what about you? Who do you call home? Think about that for just a minute. Then I need you to ask yourself and really consider, how can I love them like God loves me? This is God's heart for love and family. How can I love them with humility and gentleness and patience and unity? Because friends, that's all expected. That's all that's expected for the family of God. God doesn't expect you to do anything other than what he's already shown you. God just wants you to care for people like he does. Why? Because it's who you are now. You are family. It is your identity to love like him because you are now found in him. So let us be a family that loves well. Amen. Amen. Let us be a family defined by humility. Amen. Amen. Let us be a family uh, defined by gentleness and patience that makes every effort to live united. Amen. Amen. Not, not uniform, united. Not uniform, United under the banner of heaven. This is the way of Jesus and all that's expected. So let us follow him. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we are so grateful for the way you love us, for the way you, the way you welcome us, for the way you've adopted us, for the way that you've cared for us. God, there is no reason why you should have ever done this. And yet you still did anyway. And it's because you believe in us and you care about us and you love us so much. Loving us brings you such great joy. Help, help us remember that today as we leave, as we consider how to best love those around us. God, speak into us, into our hearts and our minds and our souls that we would, that we would be a people that love loving one another. That we'd be a people that, that choose to embrace and receive your agape, unconditional powerhouse love, and allow that agape to influence the way we love our spouse, our relationships, our friendships, and in our family. 
Jesus, we believe that your way is better. And we've chased our own tails for far too long. So God, we ask even now that you would just wake us up to your presence. If there's anyone in this room that's ever been on the fence about faith, that you're just kind of, you're, you're still, you just need to hop over. I just implore you today, just choose Jesus today. Choose to receive his love and then go and love in, rep in response, in reply. Jesus, we are so grateful for the life that you've given us and the love that you've shown us. We ask now that you would just continue to work on us, that we would be that we would be proper reflection of you as we go and we love the world around us. So, Jesus, again, we are so grateful and it's in your name that we pray. And we all said, amen. I sure do love you. I do love you very much. And I'm so grateful that we get to be church family together. And so, hey, we're gonna celebrate out in the courtyard. Look at this, I made it right on time. If you want to hear a longer version of the message, you stop by my house later, okay? But um, I seriously love you. Head out into the courtyard, grab some snacks, congratulate our baptisms and our new members, and we'll see you very, very soon next week. Next week. Here we go.